When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Any other year, I would read the scripture lessons for today, and I would preach on the story of Thomas, which I love. My daughter, Madeline, was baptized on the second Sunday of Easter, so I get all these warm and fuzzy feelings now whenever I read about this curious, brave, discerning, stubborn Thomas. It's very fitting that Madeline has so much Thomas in her. But this year, I was just so drawn to our first reading, this unbelievably beautiful vision of community, of God's people living together in a new way, and the way that that can speak to us today when we desire so much to be together again. In just three short verses, we read how those early Christians survived and thrived together. In a time when following Jesus was so new, when it was dangerous and different, when followers of Jesus were still creating community and they didn't have shared traditions or even really a shared culture that would help unite and bond them. When we read that this group of Jesus followers were of one heart and one soul. They didn't claim private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. There was not a needy person among them, 
for everything was distributed to each as any had need. I feel a little like Thomas saying this, but it's so hard to believe that people would choose to live like this. I want to see it with my own eyes. This passage leaves me with so many questions, like how long were people in this community before they handed over everything to the disciples' feet, which is a huge commitment? Was there at least a few weeks of try before you buy? Did everyone really participate in this extravagant giving, or is this a case of hyperbole? How did it feel for all of these people, once wealthy or poor, from all different places in life with different needs and priorities and values, to suddenly be of one heart and soul? As Americans, we're kind of known for being a country of rugged individualism. Our culture values an individual who has worked hard and has been successful. And there are plenty of exceptions, but in general, we tend to live in single-family spaces, drive cars more often than we use public transportation, live further away from extended family, and live with a fair amount of competition which we see in education, as students hope to earn better grades than their peers. We see it in our economy when profit is valued over quality and equity. And we see it even on social media when we showcase the best part of our lives, the best vacations, the most delicious food, the most adorable toddler antics. So when we read of these Jesus followers, rejecting individualism, rejecting competition, and embracing cooperation and a new communal identity, it can be tough to believe. Maybe we cringe a little bit because it sounds like a cult. Maybe we dismiss this story as one about one group of early Christians, but thankfully not us, Good thing we're not called to live this way. Maybe we call this socialism or try to explain how the Bible is not promoting socialism. After all, this was a community opting into living this way, not a government. Maybe we try to dismiss or diminish how extraordinary these early Christians were. This is just an exaggeration. They only gave when it was needed. Maybe... I'm not the only Thomas. This passage is about money and generosity, and I think that's what grabs our attention. But it's also about identity and trust. When the followers of Jesus came together, when they gave everything that they had, they let go of those previous identities They gave up their privilege and their social positions to protect the most vulnerable. And they became something new together. They were willing to belong not only to God, but belong to one another. They became the body of Christ. Professor Matt Skinner says that the book of Acts Every page of it answers the question, 
What does the resurrection make possible? This community that we read about is made possible because of Christ's resurrection. They are one in Christ, part of the new creation, in the process of creating the kind of world that God knows is possible, embodying the selfless, self-giving love revealed in Jesus. I had a glimpse of this kind of love this week. On Friday, I had the honor and the privilege of receiving a COVID-19 vaccine. I went to one of those big vaccination clinics in Connecticut, and it was a bit like going to the airport. Many, many people being shepherded through the same path, check-in, show ID, receive your card, go to the next spot in line, receive the vaccine, and then sit for 15 minutes waiting. And even though it felt like being on a conveyor belt in an assembly line, it was also deeply human. There was a fun energy in the space, anticipation in the air. The workers and volunteers were so friendly and kind, despite being very tired, I'm sure. And as I sat there with everyone after receiving my vaccine, waiting my 15 minutes, I just thought about how much this all means. I saw parents with teenage children, spouses getting the vaccine together, so many people of different ages, different walks of life, coming together for a single purpose. Is this what it felt like for that community in Acts? This moment of putting the we before the I, So many different people coming together, momentarily being of one mind and soul, having a shared goal. Each person receiving the vaccine, wanting to protect one another, protect the people we love, protect the people who can't get vaccinated yet, protect our community, looking ahead to a healthier future together. It's a goal that requires participation a goal that requires us to work together. It was a moving experience. And I think about this as Emmanuel moves forward into the spring and summer, that we have some discerning to do. We have all sorts of things to figure out, like who's excluded from worship if we open our sanctuary? Who's excluded from worship if we're worshiping outside in the parking lot? How do we navigate opening when vaccinations are climbing, but case numbers are also on a slight rise, too? Do our previous metrics still work? And what does children and youth ministry look like when there's no vaccine for them yet? And if we have a streaming worship service and an outdoor service, Which one will get the coveted 9 a.m. time slot? If you have strong opinions about that one, you can go ahead and email Pastor Josh. And as hard as these conversations can be, (laughs) one really amazing thing about these conversations, the piece that gives me hope, is the fact that they are putting the community 
This past year has taught us how connected we are to one another. So as we look ahead, we are coming together with this unified goal, this hope that every person at Emmanuel will be able to worship and to learn and to build relationships in a way that is meaningful and safe and fulfilling. Looking forward to the day when we will get to worship all together in person again and keep our online presence as a way to reach beyond our walls. And I have faith that we'll be able to do this because I've witnessed the ways that this congregation has cared for one another and our neighbors during this pandemic. Folks donating their stimulus checks and telling us to use it wherever it's most needed. Dropping off meals when someone in a household is sick. An outdoor worship platform appearing almost overnight so that our congregation has another way to worship and to be together. The number of thoughtful cards and sweet emails that us on staff receive. Never having to look too hard for a volunteer to help. Sometimes someone volunteering before we even ask or know we need the help. It's a real gift. So even though the next few months feel like this strange, great area where things are better but not great, safer but not completely safe, a little less scary but not exactly normal. It'll be tricky to navigate, but we'll get through it together. Those early Christians in the book of Acts found a way to be community when the odds were stacked against them, when it was dangerous to claim Jesus and to gather together to be part of something new. The Holy Spirit was alive and active in their midst, guiding them every step of the way, making a way. And that same Holy Spirit is alive and active in our midst today. And while we may be growing tired of all the ways we've had to adapt this past year, we know that we are not alone, that the risen Christ makes all things possible And we are the body of Christ, whether we're in the same room or we're outside or we're gathered online. We will move forward with the same love and wisdom that has sustained our congregation over the past year, trying our best to love one another as Christ loved us, serving our congregation and our neighbors protecting those who are the most vulnerable, giving ourselves grace when we don't have all the answers, and knowing that God is present in all of this, and we are one in Christ always. Amen.